friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. God reminded me of really how good he was and that this wasn't, that happened to me wasn't to cause me so much harm and yeah. suffering. Yeah. That's powerful. One of the things that happens with, with Tina, Rachel, and we saw this, she, she spends a lot of time in the hospital still. Literally patients that are around her, she's connecting with them, talking with them, and doing ministry to them while she's in the hospital. <laughs> wow. There's a concept of suffering well. And the idea is if we, if we can live well with Jesus, then we can suffer well with Jesus. Mm. And, and what that means is, is to mm. consider everything to be worship unto God. You guys, I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation with Dave and Tina Samples. This is actually my second couples interview, and it was so much fun getting to know Dave and Tina. They are such a fun couple, and they bring an incredible combination of both humor and depth. I know that you are going to be encouraged as you listen today. Dave and Tina live in Texas and have two sons. You'll hear how they've worked together in ministry throughout their marriage. Tina is an award-winning author, speaker, worship leader, and music therapist. She co-authored the award-winning book, Wounded Women of the Bible, Finding Hope When Life Hurts, with fellow author and friend Dina Dreyer. As a singer, Tina has performed in the musical drama Texas, as well as in The Promise, a musical drama of the life of Christ. Dave is the lead pastor at Tolar Baptist Church in Tolar, Texas. He's worked in the ministry for over 30 years. In addition to ministry, Dave has worked in radio and theater. Together, Dave and Tina co-authored the award-winning book, Messed Up Men of the Bible, Seeing the Men in Your Life Through God's Eyes. Throughout our conversation, we chat about how Dave and Tina met, what first got them into ministry, and what it's like working together in ministry. We also really dive into the topic of suffering. With Tina experiencing a heart attack and then eventually getting a heart transplant and Dave's journey with cancer, they both have so much wisdom to share on what it means to suffer well. I'm so inspired by their faith and their perspective. Dave and Tina display what it looks like to love and serve regardless of circumstance or season of life. Enjoy my conversation with Dave and Tina Samples. Well, I'm super excited to get to connect with you guys and get to know y'all better. And for those that are listening, I'm here with Dave and Tina Samples, and they are like family friends through my stepdad, Bobby Dean. So yeah, yeah super excited to have y'all on the show today. Wow. Well, thank you so much. We're, we're thrilled to be here. Good to be here. Yeah. So cool. I'd love to give you guys a moment if you want to just kind of introduce yourselves, give sort of the elevator pitch version of who you are. And then we'll jump into more of your story. So I guess, Dave, do you want to start us off? Sure. I'm Dave, and I am the pastor at Toller Baptist Church. Uh, I consider myself a reluctant pastor. I wanted to do everything else but. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, God has his way, and so he brings us along. And uh, that's mainly what I do. Tina and I had the opportunity uh, a couple of years ago to write a, uh, a great book called Messed Up Men of the Bible. I consider it sort of an autobiographical sketch of myself, Nice, but, uh, we just finished 30, was it 35 years of marriage? Huh? Yeah, I think so. You kind of lose track as you get older. <laughs> right. 
Well, we, yeah, we had so this incredible. Awesome. Uh, we had this incredible cruise to Hawaii planned, <laughs> and COVID up. canceled it. So, oh, so yeah. we're still we're still in mourning. <laughs> For sure, you'll definitely have to make that happen when the time comes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Tina? Um, well, let's see. Gosh, there's so much to tell. I was raised with 11 siblings, eight brothers and two sisters. And, you know, I was always involved in the ministry growing up. I was in youth ministry. I played the piano. And actually, when I was 12 or 13, my dad bought a piano from a bar and brought it home because my my dad wasn't a Christian at the time. And uh, it had a cigarette burn on the side, but that's how I learned how to play. I taught myself and learned how to play. And so with that growing up, I just dug into the, to the music and it brought me this far with my sweet hubby there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. That's so awesome. And then am I right that you have two sons? Yeah, we have two sons and they live in Colorado. One's a police officer. The other is working for a company and they're both doing great. That's awesome. So cool. Well, there's like so many awesome things that we can talk about today. So hopefully we'll get to cover some of it and maybe we'll have to have y'all back for a part two. (laughs) We'll see. Oh yeah, there's a lot. So good. (laughs) But do y'all want to just share a little bit maybe first about how you met and kind of, you know, the beginning of your story together? (laughs) Do you want to tell them, David? Sure. So my, uh, my mom and dad lived in Wyoming on an Indian reservation. They were, they were doing church planting there. And, oh, cool. uh, we had these youth groups that would come up every summer, all summer long. And, uh, one glorious day I watched the, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life step off of a bus and, Aww. uh, <laughs> I was smitten. And so we, we met, uh, on a mission trip and yeah. it was pretty awesome. Yeah. That's so sweet. I love it. (laughs) That's great. And then kind of what was the next step in y'all's journey? You know, we wrote to each other for, gosh, several years, I think. And David would come see me in Florida where we lived. And eventually I ended up going to college to where he was going to college at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, it's so crazy because I was like, I don't want to go to college. No one in my family ever really encouraged us to do that, you know, but David, I guess, saw potential and thought this is what you need to do. So he helped with all that process for me. And so from there, that was it. And it's in college and he graduated and we married and moved back to Texas. So, so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And what did you study in school? Well, I studied music education, but I knew when I was 16, I went forward to the altar. God was just really, we were singing the old hymn, wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll always remember that. (laughs) And so I thought, gosh, Lord, wherever, you know, you lead me, I'll go, but don't send me to Africa for some reason. And now (laughs) we're really involved. Our church is really involved in Africa and just love it. And, but for some reason, I don't know why, but I went forward at 16 And I knew that God wanted me to do something with music, but I knew it wasn't music education. I wasn't supposed to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so the only music degree they had at Union was music education. So I was studying the music part of it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what about you, Dave? Well, I showed up day one and uh, I had no idea what to major in, but they were asking that question. What are you going to major in? I.e., What are you going to do with the rest of your life? And, yeah, it's like no pressure, right? Right. And 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 so I'm just trying to narrow it down. 
And they said, well, what do you like? What do you not like? And I said, well, I don't like writing papers. And they sent me over to the accounting uh, area and I signed up and graduated <laughs> four years later with an accounting degree. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, it's there coming handy go. a few times, but uh, hopefully I'm way past it now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then, so you guys got married out, out of college or when you graduated? We did. We did. Cool. Yeah. Uh, 1985, Woodland Baptist Church, Brother Bob. Nice. Yeah. That's so great. And then what brought you back to Texas? Well, we came back to Texas. Uh, well, it, let's see, there's a, a couple of, couple of times we've come back, but, uh, okay. but I came, I was doing radio when I graduated from, from college, putting that accounting degree to good use. Yes. And so we actually came back to Texas with a, uh, with a job opportunity in Amarillo. So I became the station manager at uh, KWAS in Amarillo. And we did that for a, a bit and uh, ran it into the ground and, uh, <laughs> and went into the ministry. So that's, that's my gotcha. story. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, what first drew you guys into ministry whenever that transition took place? Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was such a crazy time for us because I still hadn't graduated yet. So when we moved, David was working at a radio station in Tennessee, and that brought him to a full-time job in Amarillo in radio. So I was still in in college, but I had changed my major then to, I found out that they had something called music therapy, Mm, and I'd never heard of it. So I went and asked about music therapy and what it's about, and I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is Mm. it, Lord. This is it. And in the meantime, we were involved in church, and David did... He was working with the youth, I guess, in Amarillo as he was doing radio too. So I'll let him tell you about that. Yeah, you know, the uh, the radio thing didn't end up working out well in Amarillo and the station uh, changed formats. And so I ended up selling cars just to pay the bills and we were struggling. Mm-hmm. And there was a little, little church called Cliffside Baptist Church. And it was just a little church of about a dozen senior adults. And uh, they approached me about coming and being their pastor, which I felt ill-equipped to do. And mm-hmm. they, they assured me that if I could come and bring a Bible study every Sunday and bury them as they died and lock the door on my way out, that uh, that was all <laughs> they needed. And uh, the surprising <laughs> thing is that little church started growing. And man, we, we saw a lot of really cool things happen. Uh, I have fond memories. Uh, I was just a mid-20s, yeah. Tina. <laughs> yeah, yeah you. We were both really young. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a, a eighty-year-old deacon. I remember he and I would be walking down the streets, uh, knocking on doors, and uh, and then Tina started a children's ministry, and we we had a lot of young families that started coming, and we were only there really less than a year. Okay, and then then we went to uh, Olson Park Baptist, which is uh, where your stepdad was, and mm-hmm. uh, we we met him there. And that became kind of, a, I think, a much stronger draw into the ministry as we both really had more opportunity. Mm, yeah, that's so cool. And it was that where you were working with the youth group? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, th- those were good years and yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun. I got back into accounting while I was there and, uh, <laughs> nice. and so was doing, doing that as well. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was awesome. That's so cool. And I have to ask because I feel like the role of youth pastor just... It comes with a lot of fun stories, I feel like. <laughs> so do you have any any key memories that you have from that time as youth pastor? 
Well, one of my favorites was we were doing a lock-in one night. And of course, we were on incredibly tight budget always. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tina and I had no money and the church had very little either. And (laughs) we would order pizza from the cheapest possible pizza place there was. And I get called to the front door of the church and uh, there's yeah, you know, the good stuff, you know, Pizza Hut delivering. And it's like, oh, you've got the wrong place. So one of our students had actually called and uh, ordered the pizza. And uh, so oh. we so we had to reject the Pizza Hut pizza because I didn't have the money to pay for it. <laughs> it was terrible, oh. terrible yeah. embarrassing. So, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, we've moved on. <laughs> yes, moved on for that. <laughs> there you good. go. Well, at some point... David left, we left the Olson Park. So, so David went into full-time youth pastoring in Tennessee. So he took a job in Tennessee and that's how he got into the full-time ministry Mm, and started out with as a youth pastor in that church in Tennessee. We did that together though, because uh, Tino Tino was the, uh, the worship minister. And I was the oh, youth, youth cool. minister, so we, we were on staff together. Yeah, That's so neat. Awesome. <laughs> so both of you guys working in like ministry roles, you right. know, what was that like being in that, that season of life together? <laughs> well, I also had a six month old. <laughs> and so oh, wow. Okay, it was hard for me. You know, I don't know if I ever attended a staff meeting. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I just said, David, tell me what happened. <laughs> Right. In a way that works out because you could get the notes later, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, do I really need to be there? But um, this was a a really different kind of transition for me because when I worshiped, I worshiped at the piano at home by myself, worshiping, playing the piano. So when Mm -hmm. I went to this church as a worship leader, it was a standing where I had to stand and there was an, or it was true. They were trying to switch over, you see, from a traditional to a little bit more contemporary. Gotcha. And that, that was a really difficult way for me to try to sink in because they had the organ still, and then they had someone playing the piano and then they had the choir and I was leading. So that position for me as a worship leader was truly an experience. And I learned a lot from it. But I learned that my true place and my true heart is at the piano worshiping and leading from there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, as, as we went from there, though, all mm-hmm. the other churches that I pastored, Tina ultimately led worship in all of those churches. And okay. so we, we really have been a team everywhere. Yeah, that's so awesome. Having that team effort like and focus and that you guys both had a similar heart and, you know, vision. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. That's super yeah. cool. and, and she will always be my favorite worship leader. Always. Aww. Yeah. She's just really, I mean, she's one of the best in the world. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so <prejudiced>. awesome. <laughs> I, I love it though. Yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> so I know something that's been a part of y'all's journey is just dealing with health struggles and, you know, different challenges that you've come up against. So would y'all be willing to share some of that journey together and kind of what that's looked like for you guys? Well, you know, it seems like I've always been struggling with something. Mm. I was premature when I was born. I was a sickly little girl and I had all kinds of things from nosebleeds to fainting to bruising to extreme infections with tonsils and just one thing led to another. Mm. So throughout my whole entire life. And then when we moved to Texas, back to Texas in 2015, 
it was in December. Yeah. So really going into 2016, I had a heart attack mm. uh, that was misdiagnosed for nine days. I had angina and severe, I had just severe, a massive amount of blood clots throughout my heart, but it was a lot, a couple of ERs and doctor visits. And uh, they were thinking it was a GI issue, but it wasn't. And uh, I know that women with heart disease, and it runs in my family, they tend to overlook some things and diagnose it as something other because we have different symptoms than men. Right. So by the time they got to me in uh, a bigger town, I was barely alive and my heart was barely beating, but the Lord brought me through it. And because of that, I ended up having to have a heart transplant. Okay. So that's what led to my transplant. My, my heart was so damaged. My blood was only pumping from my chest to my head down to my elbows. And that was it. So wow, they moved me pretty quick. It, it happened pretty fast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And about three months into that, to my heart transplant, David was diagnosed with cancer. Wow. Just so. talk about like one thing right after the other. And I'm sure a sense of maybe overwhelm in that moment. Oh, yeah. Did you want to say something about that, David? Well, I think, you know, we were we were really, really focused on Tina as we needed to be. And so I had had some warning signs and uh, had already been referred to a urologist to get a biopsy. Mm-hmm. But we just waited, just needed to wait. Uh, Tina needed full attention. And so by the by the time mine was diagnosed. It was about as bad as it can be. They have a, for prostate cancer, they have a Gleason scale zero to 10 mm-hmm. and I was a nine. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. uh, so I had, I had to have my prostate removed and go through radiation and lots and lots of stuff. And it's still kind of a battle that we're facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I've been off of meds and back on meds to, uh, to kind of keep it away. And, and so, well, it's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can always look around and see a lot of people in worse shape than we are. Right. Tina really has faced most of the suffering with just side effects that she she has faced with the drugs that she's on and uh, the anti-rejection drugs and the consequences that those cause. And but uh, but the beautiful thing is, I mean, she had less than a year to live. They said, and in that time already, uh, she's been able to she's been able to see her son graduate from college. She's been able to just experience so many things. And, and for us as a couple, it's just every day really matters. And yeah. uh, we've never been closer. And I think the illness has at least had one small role in helping us get focused on what really matters. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, it's it's hard to even imagine what you guys have walked through, but I can definitely picture, you know, that that would really put perspective on things and, you know, make you think, okay, like let's enjoy the time that we have and, you know, yeah, don't waste it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And how is that? I mean, from a place of working in ministry and serving God and, you know, I know it's hard. There's always that, that question and that struggle of like, why God, why is this happening? And why does he allow suffering and all of those things, you know, do either of you want to share a little bit about just processing through some of those emotions and questions? Well, you know, when I, um, before my transplant, my heart was functioning below 35%. So I had to have a defibrillator placed in. Mm -hmm. And about nine days after I had the surgery, it malfunctioned and it shocked me in the emergency room for 45 minutes. They let it shock me. Basically, the chaplain said I was basically tortured 
for 45 minutes. Wow. So, and David, poor thing, there he is holding on to me and he's getting shocked too. And why the doctors didn't put the, you know, they could have stopped sedated me or put the the, uh, magnet on, but they didn't do any of those things. And so when I came out of that, I really had to make amends with the Lord because I was wondering why he would allow that to happen to me. And, you know, and I've never questioned God or been upset or felt like that he had never been by my side until that moment, Mm. until I was, I was so desperate for him to stop this 45 minutes of it. That's rough. Yeah. So I was an emotional wreck. I had PTSD. I couldn't stay by myself. I was just, I had so much fear, just, it was just so traumatic. And the chaplain was so wonderful. He came and saw me. Uh, I was shaking, literally still shaking from all of the shocking stuff. And so he came into my room and I was crying and shaking. And this is after David and uh, another friend of ours left from, you know, after they prayed for me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and he put his hand on my forehead and he said, shh, can you see him? Mm-hmm. And then he said, shh. And suddenly everything just got quiet and still. And he said, do you see him with you receiving the pain and the shocks with you? And I had to visualize that immediately my shaking stopped and it gave me a sense of peace. But when I went home, I still had to work through the tears and the grief of really making amends to God. And one day while I was doing that, This song came on, You're a Good, Good Father, and it's the first time I'd heard it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I just really broke through and started crying. And God reminded me of really how good he was and that this wasn't that happened to me wasn't to cause me so much harm and suffering. Yeah. That's powerful. One of the things that happens with with Tina Rachel, and we saw this, she she spends a lot of time in the hospital still. And, uh, one of the things that happens, we saw this, uh, her most recent hospitalization, literally patients that are around her, she's connecting with them, talking with them and doing ministry to them while she's in the hospital. (laughs) Wow. There's a concept of suffering well. And the idea is if we, if we can live well with Jesus, then we can suffer well with Jesus. Mm. And, and what that means is, is to Mm. consider everything to be worship unto God. And so whether, you know, whether we're, you know, in high school basketball, I was player of the week once, but they taught us that, that that's kind of an inside joke. <laughs> all my friends that watch this will laugh. But, nice. but, when, but, uh, but the idea is what you learn to lose well, you learn to win well, yes. uh, either, either way you have to do it well. And so in this way, you know, to, to be well in health and to be well when everything's great, but to also learn, you know what, it's well with my soul, even, even when they're suffering yes. and, uh, and to do it well. That's and, so uh, and I, th- I think we've learned how to do that. That's beautiful. Well, and we have, I have like a huge, you know, the church ladies at our church are just amazing and they cover me. They have come and helped me during my times when I've needed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, they have just been incredible and that's what you need. You need an army of people. It takes an army to get to grow your kids, I guess they say, but it takes an army to really, really lift you up and encourage you and pray for healing through these times of suffering. And it's, I'm so, so blessed. I'm so blessed and thankful that I have that at this church. Yeah. That's such a beautiful thing to have the community and the support 
Yeah. I'm sure it just makes a world of difference, you know, when you have people linking arms with you and lifting you up in prayer and yeah, helping you get through. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely essential, yeah. Rachel. And you know, the, the, the church, Tina had to stay near the hospital after the transplant. So was it two months, son? Two months? I know uh, I had to stay three months. Yeah. Three months. So for three months, we actually lived in Dallas and I would drive from, from Dallas about an hour and a half to our church. Oh, wow. I would preach and then, and then go back. And so, uh, <laughs> and, so and so they really allowed me to be gone yeah. you know, for the most part. And they raised a ton of money to help pay for uh, things that we needed. And uh, just, I don't, I don't know how you make it without a church family. I don't. That's yeah. so huge. Yeah. Wow. interested in supporting the show for the cost of one coffee a month you can become part of our patreon community patreon allows you to support the show and get extra bonus content in return wherever you're listening today you can actually go back a few episodes and see a bonus patreon preview episode to get a little bit of a taste for what it's like you can also find out more information at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Now back to my conversation with Dave and Tina. Love to jump back in and hear a little bit more about y'all's experiences with kind of just in the realm of the arts. And so I know, you know, both of y'all have experience with music. Well, do you, Dave, do you do anything with music ministry as well? Oh, I used to be brilliant. And uh, <laughs> apparently not, not so much. Tim and I used to, together, we would go to churches and sing together. But oh, cool. at some point I quit, I wasn't invited anymore. So I got, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know, you know. That's so funny. I'm, I'm Andy Gibb that didn't get to go with the Bee Gees. That's, that's me. They moved past me, I guess. Yeah. That's too funny. It's so funny. But yeah, I'd love to hear kind of your experiences with music and performance and, you know, theater and all of those kind of things. So wherever you guys want to start. Cool. Tina, you want to just run with it? Okay. <laughs> well, let's see. I think when we moved to, it was when we moved to Tennessee, I was watching TV one day and I don't think we got very many channels but this channel I saw this beautiful outdoor musical you know just amazing and all these people in it and I was actually David was watching too and I, I think mm -hmm. I told him I said look at that I don't think I'll ever be able to be a part of a, something like that in a big church mm -hmm. and so I just kind of put it aside and it wasn't long after we were in Tennessee only a short time and then we moved back to Texas Beach because David got a full-time job as a pastor. And okay. so I don't know how it came about, David. Maybe you can help with this part. But somebody said something about this musical drama in Glenrose, Texas, and that I should try out for it. You know, and so I called them and nobody was there. So I think they were out of season or something like that. And so then David... Um, <laughs> went to church one day it was like the next day or a couple of days later uh, when he went to his office there was a little bitty flyer on someone's door that said promise auditions happening at so-and-so uh -huh. so, so I had already said no I'm not going to audition but then God opened the door for me to audition 
And so I thought, okay, I'll audition. Well, so I auditioned. I had to sing and stuff. And I'm not really an actor. I'm a singer. And uh, mm-hmm. and then whatever acting singers do. So I made the, the show and I was so excited and it was so fun. And I was just having such a great time. And then uh, one day I thought, well, I'm going to sit out in the auditorium to catch this scene that the that Jesus was doing with the disciples. Mm -hmm. And as I was watching it, it was like deja vu. It was like, I have seen this scene before and I saw it on the TV in Tennessee. Wow! It was the same show I was watching. I thought I was watching a church, but I was actually watching the promise. And so I just started bawling because it really showed (laughs) me that God gives you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it today. So I did that for two seasons and it was just amazing. I had such a great time and met a lot of people. And actually out of that came one of my best friends, Dina Dyer. So then the one that co-wrote the Wounded Women book with me. So, so yeah, cool. we, that's how we met. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. And actually, it's funny because I have some friends who have actually danced in The Promise, um, wow. been part of the show. So more awesome. in recent years. Yeah. Yeah. Really amazing. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's still going and, you know, just the yeah and the longevity of that. So yeah. Really awesome. Tina was also in uh, Texas in uh, oh, the, yeah. the Paladero Canyon musical. Mm-hmm. She did that for what, three, three years, son? Three seasons? She did it for two years. And now that two? was amazing because... Yeah, I did it for two seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that one was amazing because they hired people from all over the United States. Yeah. So you met people from different different states. It wasn't just college people, although I was in college at the time finishing up, but it was just such a joy to be able to do that. A lot of hard work. I didn't have kids at the time. It was before babies and yeah. uh, such a great experience, really. And that's still going on too. So yeah, that's so cool. I got to see that show. I don't remember what year it was, but it was really, really fun and really cool how the Canyon is kind of the backdrop. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. fun. And um, that actually, I still have friends from that, that place as well. It's so neat how you can meet these people and then they become your friends long-term and it's been great. Yeah. But David has actually done theater and I haven't because okay. where you have to memorize scripts and oh, not me. Right. So what kind of theater experience have you had? Yeah, I did community theater in, oh, uh, okay. in, in Amarillo, the Amarillo Little Theater and uh, met some great friends doing that. Kind of goes with radio. And so a lot of radio guys will do uh, will do theater as well. I, okay. I did some shows when I was in college also. And uh, I've always always enjoyed that. I, I like to be the center of attention. And uh, <laughs> so to be on stage is great. But uh, but I, again, met some met some great, great friends doing theater. And I've always considered maybe maybe trying to do another show, but I, I never do because I don't I don't want to put the work in. But <laughs> but I have great memories of that. Always enjoyed uh, doing shows. Yeah, for sure. And that actually is a good segue into your work in radio. Do you yeah. want to share a little bit more? Because yeah. I know you gave us kind of the overview earlier, but sure, um, sure. what was that like getting to, you know, DJ and be yeah. on the radio? Well, scene? you know, it was it was a, a lot of fun. I, I had a friend, Chuck Maxwell, that was working at this just local Christian station in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, our, our college town. It had just switched from from an oldies format to a Christian format. Okay. And uh, I loved Christian music. 
and uh, still do, but, you know, we went to concerts all the time. And, and so uh, Chuck, Chuck just suggested that uh, I might do this. Like they were looking for weekend guys. And yeah. uh, so with zero experience, they uh, put me on the air and uh, it was a little AM station and uh, man had a great time. Stayed there a year. Huh? I don't, I don't really remember. It's a long time ago, but uh, in Tennessee, right? Yeah. In Tennessee became the program yeah. director and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then moved from there. And then probably my favorite thing that I did though, in Amarillo, there's a, uh, there's a secular pop station called Z93 and oh, yeah. I was yeah. out of radio and I was doing youth ministry and uh, I just approached the station and said, Hey, uh, <laughs> would you? And I, I offered my services and I said, man, I would love to do a Sunday morning show for you, a Christian, uh, Christian rock show. And uh, I'll sell the advertising. I'll not charge a dime. You know, it's all, it's all good. And the, the yeah. station needed, it was kind of a bad boy station. So they needed some positives on the air uh, mm-hmm. for the FCC to be happy. And so, uh, man, that was a great time. Yeah. It, it was just a great, I had total freedom. And so we shared the gospel all the time and just had a lot of fun. Got to meet a lot of artists, uh, DeGarmo and Key, Petra, you know, Milan yeah. Lefebvre, you can go through the whole list. These are, these are all oldies now, but uh, <laughs> at the time, we're yeah, like we've, big you know, thing. we've met, yeah. uh, we've met Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith and cool. who, who else have we met, huh? A lot of, a lot of Jeremy Camp. Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and yeah. you became uh, really popular with that. People started to recognize his name, C ninety three. Yeah, and he was the one that would actually someone would introduce him to introduce the band. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> so well, I had a big one, ego to go with it. Yeah, he yeah. had a big ego, but yeah, uh, but it so was fun. great. It was so much fun. It was fun. Yeah, that yeah. Was, oh, and then one time you said, "I had just come back from." Uh, I had my stage makeup on that was, you can imagine how thick mm-hmm. from uh, Texas, the musical drama, because we're out there, you have to wear a lot of makeup at nighttime and stuff. And and I had come in, my hair was a wreck. And he said, come on, Tina, we're going to go have dinner with, uh, who was that? David, uh, do you was, remember? Was it Kim Boyce? I don't, I don't really yeah, remember. Kim Boyce. Uh-huh. Yeah, Kim Boyce. Yeah. We're having dinner with Kim Boyce. So I just went as I was. And I'm like, oh gosh, what a mess I am. But so great. Um, It was fun. It was just stuff like that that happened all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's super fun. Just the connections that you can make. Oh yeah, and, yeah. It and, was uh, it was just a great time, and we mm-hmm. we loved it. Union University. We we ate uh, dinner. We had Carrie Live Green and. Carrie Livgren and Somebody, Dave Hope of Kansas. Dave yeah. Hope, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, so we got to sit down with them and eat. And what other names can we bit. drop, hon? Come on, surely. Yeah, exactly. I know, we're name dropping. <laughs> dropping. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so uh, neat, though, that that was a season, you see, in our life that God allowed us to have, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just really neat. So he brings us through these seasons of life and I mean, today we don't know anybody and <laughs> we don't do any of those things, but <laughs> but that season of life during that time was such a fun time. And then he's brought us through another season and another one. And it's all about learning and doing ministry in a different way. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's true. Because you know, it's cool, like you were saying, able to kind of incorporate you know, ministry and loving people, no sure. matter what realm you're in, if that's, you know, sure. being on yeah. the air or if that's in a hospital room, you know, right. Kind right. Of yeah. You find yourself. Just live well. 
live well, whatever you're doing, live well. Yeah, that's so neat. Super fun. <laughs> yeah, really cool. And you have a great radio voice as well. So hey, I thanks. can see it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you do. I told her you did. Yes. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's so cool. Yeah. You have like certain people it just fits, you know, to yeah, be on the air. Yeah. <laughs> oh, listen, if I could, if I could, I would still be doing it. It was so much fun. And, and again, it was back in the day when we actually played records, you know? Oh, and yeah. so, yeah. And it, you know, so it was the old timey way. It was so much fun uh-huh. yeah. to actually like switch. I'm sure now it's basically a click of a button. Like it okay, is. Playing the yeah. Next it's all digital. Yeah. Uh-huh. All, you cool. have a radio station on your phone. You can play songs yourself now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's super awesome. Well, thank y'all for sharing some of those experiences sure. and just memories from yeah. those times. And I know another big thing that is so cool is the writing that you guys have been able mm-hmm. to do both together. And then also Tina mm-hmm. kind of in your own projects as well. So I would love to hear, I know you have your book wounded women of the Bible and that was that your mm-hmm. first published book? It was, let's see. I had published some devotions, I think before the book. Okay. So I was cool. writing some devotions, but I, you know, I remember writing the story in was it middle school about a Dracula? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I have no idea why and no idea where that came from, but I just knew it was going to be a, it was a Dracula story, you know, and then I just put it aside and then I just didn't write until I was doing music therapy, which basically I was specialized to work with the mentally, physically disabled mm-hmm. and more children, but I also worked with adults. And so I was working with this young girl in the school district with autism, pretty severe autism. She had no language. And um, so we were coming back from our one-on-one session one day and she slipped her hand in mine, which is so unusual for autistic kids Yeah, because they don't want you to touch them. But she slipped her hand in mine and then she said a sentence. She spoke. And uh, that was one of the things we were doing with music therapy. Music therapy is where you work on non-musical goals to achieve certain other goals, like language, physical movement, stuff like that. So I was working off of what her teacher was working with her on. So anyway, she slipped her hand in mine and she said, Miss Tina. And I said, yes. And she said, I love you too much. And it just touched my heart so much that when I got home, I was just so compelled to write a story about it. And I, I did, I wrote a little story about it. And that was the first time I started writing my stories down. And so in this book, I was meeting with some women who were uh, in abusive relationships. Mm. And so I was meeting with them. And I remember I left that meeting and on the way home, I said, Lord, I wish I had some kind of material or something that I could teach them. And um, so that night, about three in the morning, I heard my name called Tina. And yeah. you know how you wake up as a mom, you wake up and it's like, okay, somebody called for me. Who was it? It was God. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard Tina, women in the Bible who have been wounded. Mm. Those words completely, women in the Bible who have been wounded. And I knew in my heart that I was supposed to write about that and teach these women about it. I didn't know it was going to turn into a book. Yeah. So at the time it's just, you know, this is something to help them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I talked to Dina, my friend about it then, because I thought, hey, this could be a book. And so I talked to Dina and she loved it. And she said, yeah, let's do this. And David said, well, you should call it Wounded Women of the Bible. 
<laughs> He's yeah. always nifty with, you know, creative. Got a Bible uh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wounded Women of Bible, Finding Hope for Those. Let's see. Finding Hope. Oh, I should know this. It's my book. <laughs> I know I had it written down earlier too. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Medicine that causes our mind to just go blank. No worries. uh, (laughs) Finding hope for hurting hearts or something like that. And so, so it just, you know, it came about and God opened the doors for us to kind of go through and, and write it and get it published. And it's been a blessing. David and I have been able to give away and Dina to give away books to women and it's made Mm -hmm. its way to different countries and just different places in the prisons and prison ministries. And so uh, in Celebrate Recovery, I know it's been used there. So the Lord has definitely used it. And so Mm -hmm. we just keep praying that he will continue to do so. For sure. Tina's too humble to say that it won a very prestigious award. There's (laughs) an organization called ASA. It's uh, Christian Writers for Women. And uh, and it was Book of the Year, wasn't it, hon? It was. Check on your wall. It was, yeah, nonfiction. <laughs> Where is it? Nonfiction book of the year, and then also one. It was in the top ten, top ten books of the decade from serious writers. So oh, that was wow. a huge yeah, honor, yeah. a huge honor. Yeah. So that it's, is. it's finding hope when life hurts is what it is. I was getting it backwards, but yeah, yeah it's just we were just shocked, you know, that the first book was an award-winning book and multi-award winning book, but God has definitely blessed it and used it. So we're so thankful for that. I went and was able to read the first chapter, part of the first chapter. And uh, I love the way that you weave, you know, biblical stories and kind of what, what they would have been walking through with, you know, your own life experiences and kind of current things that are happening and really brings it to life, you know, in a fresh way. Some of the stories that maybe we've heard since we were little and, you know, growing up in church, but then you're like, wow, these were real people that are, you know, dealing with the same emotions that we are. So I love that. Oh, well, thank you. That was one of the things that I felt like to tell a story, you know, I needed it to be like in today's world with women. And then Dina interviewed her section. She interviewed a lot of women who struggled with similar issues in that chapter. Yeah. But it does when you can kind of step into their shoes and look and say, wow, okay, I'm walking with them. And I never thought of this before. Exactly. But look at that. Wow. It's seen, it's really, truly seeing the Bible and those stories in a different light, which makes it just Mm -hmm. hopefully pop out to others and show them the real, that really they're not alone in their suffering. Exactly. So during that time, David said, well, now you need to write a book called messed up men of the Bible. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And he was teasing, (laughs) but anyway, we started, we started with that and I'll let, I'll let David tell you about that one. Okay, cool. Well, Messed Up Men of the Bible initially was going to be written to men, which makes up a lot of sense, but because the, the wounded women was a, uh, targeted to women audiences, the the publisher felt like this one should also, and so the the subtitle is seeing the man in your life through God's eyes, mm. and I, I had no idea. In fact, we had written uh, much of the book to men already, okay. and had to back up and kind of restart. Yeah, backtrack a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I had no idea how to approach this. Tina suggested, well, when a when a woman comes into your office and she's broken, what do you tell her? And so that's how I wrote my parts of the book was mm. uh, simply imagining 
these people coming into my office and we just found issues that, that men struggle with. And, and, uh, I don't know, was it 13 or 14, hun? I don't remember how many it is, how many chapters there are, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly, but. Yeah, yeah, we just tried to key on the things that, that more men struggle with than any other. And, and, uh, just address those. We found biblical characters that fit those issues and, uh, lots of, lots of personal stories. And it's somewhat of an autobiographical sketch. Uh, right. <laughs> because, you know, I really share my heart in there. We both do. Tina and I both do. And yeah. uh, it's it's a very honest book. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. Well, we met with our publisher and agent and they sat down with us and said, we think that this book should be written for women. So David was going, oh, no, it's <laughs> really in his mind, he's thinking to men. So what do you say? And actually, you know what? We have a lot of men that read this book. I would imagine, even though though it's written for women, a lot of men read this and they read it with their spouse, which has been encouraging for us to know and to hear stories from them. Yeah, that could be really impactful, you know, because then it probably opens up conversation as well, you know, to go a little deeper into some of those, you know, things that people are struggling with. So absolutely. But also you know, the Lord surprised us with this award-winning book as well. Yeah. And, and this was really an honor for us. I mean, it was the Huge. Golden Merit Award through Asa, but also it was what, David, the... Um, well, it's the, the Christian Writers Association, I yeah. forget what it's called. But I mean, we were we were battling Tim Tebow for, uh, <laughs> for nonfiction <laughs> book of the year, Bible study of the year, nonfiction Bible study of the year. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we were in the top five Bible studies of uh the year over all the christian publishing companies yeah wow. all the biggies and we were oh. with the little publisher so it was really a big deal and i'm just trying a, to remember the name of my that walk. yeah it's, in it's my on your walk in your <laughs> you see we can remember nothing we have to go yeah, look at our we are very humble we cannot yeah, remember it's all good <laughs> That's so, look it, look so it cool. Yeah. Yes, yes. We can yeah. put it, we'll put it in the show notes so people can yeah, find please, stuff. Please. <laughs> oh, gosh. That is so cool though. And just seeing, you know, God bless those things when you're, sure, you know, just faithful sure. to write and to put those stories out there and, and yeah. really like kind of living it out in your own lives. And then, yeah, you know, that he's just helping multiply it. Yeah. Well, on the other side of that, Rachel, and, uh, you, you know, T- Tina and I have gone through brokenness together. You know, our marriage has struggled at times and we've mm-hmm. we've been through deep periods of darkness. And and so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, both of those books, you know, wound, Wounded Women, you know, I, I probably inflicted the wounds and, and then I'm the messed up man that did it. But, uh, but, but you, you know, to, to come through that, and for God to be able to produce some fruit from from some broken experiences in our life uh, is powerful. So powerful. Yeah, that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, what was the process like to become a published author? Uh, you know, I couldn't have done it without my dear friend, Dina Dyer, because she, you know, she was a published author before me and she mentored me through so much of this whole process. And she actually wrote and put the proposal stuff together. Oh, and nice. She just knew what to do. And I think that was very, very helpful having that. Mm-hmm. You know, the editing process is so extensive, yeah. Rachel, oh, that I, I, I know so there was a time and it, it had been edited over and over and again. And, and I remember I was reading through edits and I was reading something 
that they were saying just didn't make sense and should be eliminated. I'm like, well, I didn't even write that, you know? <laughs> that, that isn't even I think what I, I wrote, wrote it. Yeah. It's like version <laughs> 10 or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, very difficult. Very hard. It goes very through a hard. lot of editors, a lot of editors. And before you can even get to the publishing place, I mean, it has to pass a lot of committees. Mm, and if yeah. you can Tough. make it through the marketing committee, which in today's world, it's so hard because, you know, you've yeah, got to have yeah. a big, huge yeah. platform or, uh, yeah. and we don't, you know, I don't have a huge platform. No, we, we, we don't know anybody. Somehow God got it through <laughs> and, <laughs> and it made it. And, uh, and That's so, so it's cool. still kind of creeping along, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the process is I had had my heart attack. And I was, we were finishing up our last edits of Messed Up Men. Okay. After my heart attack. Remember, David? And I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really hard because I was sick and I didn't feel well. I was very weak and mm. just not, but, but they were so great. I mean, Kriegel Publishing Company, I'm going to drop their name. They put it out there and they're so wonderful. They would send me cards of when they prayed for me Aww, and, that's you so know, cool. and just, I was just amazing. I loved working with them. Just such a special publishing company to have. Mm -hmm. And it's a smaller publishing company, but just doing some great work. So yeah, that was an experience. And it was Mm -hmm. definitely a process. And it it just took a long time because you go through so many different editors. Mm -hmm. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty awesome. But a great experience. Yeah. And then I imagine Dave, with your line of work, being a pastor that you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're speaking a good bit just with Sundays and all of that with these books, has that opened up opportunities for y'all to speak in other venues and things like that? Or is it mostly, you know, ministry in your local church? Yeah, it was open. The, the, the heart attack kind of shut everything down and Tina still, you know, she, she had speaking engagements all, all lined up and and we just had to cancel everything. So she still hasn't gotten to the place yet where she can kind of get out and do much uh, like right. that. And then with, you know, COVID yeah. that doesn't help either. So Right. Exactly. So, yeah. but, uh, but it's, it's, you know, everybody on here needs to buy 10 books. Yes. And, uh, everyone go <laughs> check it out. I will definitely have a link, <laughs> but yeah, no, yes. seriously, what I've read so far, I've loved, I'm excited to read the rest and oh, good. Yeah, so excited. Like for everybody that's listening to check it out for sure. That'll yeah, be awesome. but thank yeah. you. Thank you for that, Rachel. Yeah, we appreciate you. it. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we're kind of getting towards the end of the time together, but I wanted to ask you guys, do you have any, you know, anything on your heart that you'd like to share with other artists, like a word of encouragement or piece of wisdom from your experience? I did a, uh, uh, with the Gospel Music Association, I was able to teach at this annual event they did uh, in in uh, the Rocky Mountains in Estes Park. And there were a lot of aspiring artists there. And uh, I did a couple of classes, but one of the biggest things that I would tell anybody is get plugged into your local church and do do ministry there, do art there. Mm, yeah. What, whatever it is you do, find a way to do that in your local church because it will be appreciated. It will have a big impact. If God should give you a bigger stage, great. But uh, but but you know, don't despise the small beginnings. Right. The Lord loves to see the work begin. That's such a good, such a good truth right there for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Tina? Well, you know, I'm all on board with what David said because that's where it's at. After my heart transplant. I wasn't able to really sing. Mm, yeah. And so I'm now just some long time later, just trying to get my voice back into shape. 
to where I can sing, but it does really start with, I think for me in your living room and worshiping Mm -hmm. where you are. And that's where it starts and, and allowing God to then take you out the door into your next place where it needs to be. So, Mm, but yeah, I would start with, you know, David has this little prayer ring thing and has different colors on it and different colors mean different things. And so the other day I was feeling really bad and I picked the gold, which is worship. And so he says, well, you need to worship today. He's a good reminder for me about things. And so I just sat down at the piano and I just, worshiped and I just spent time with that and allowed the stress of my illness and the stress of anything else just to fade away mm-hmm. and allow God to just cover me. And I think so many artists stress about things, about yeah. where's, you know, about making it to the big spot, <laughs> you know, yeah. and why some of them do and some others don't. I don't know. Maybe it's because God wants you to start here. You know, maybe this is where you need to start. And that's something definitely that they can be in prayer about. I would just encourage them to do that. Yeah. So good. Yeah, for the, for the glory of God, you know, the best worship leader isn't aware that anybody else is in the room. They're just, they're just worshiping. Right. And so what, what, whatever artistic medium is being utilized, you know, just, just to do it for the glory of God, you know, just to do it for his honor. That's beautiful. So good. So good. Yeah. Well, this is a fun question just to wrap us up today. And I like to ask everyone, what is one of your favorite things right now? And it doesn't have to be anything super deep. It can be very, you know, your favorite <laughs> food or whatever. <laughs> at the moment. Uh, I was telling you this earlier, I think Rachel was that, you know, my love language, one of them is quality time. And so since I've been so ill lately, I am healed. And um, trying to claim that in Jesus' name. Yes. (laughs) But one of the things, so I haven't been able to really get out a lot, especially with the shingles and things like that. But one of the things that David and I do every night is something so silly is we just get on the YouTube video. Yes. (laughs) Once we go to bed and we just watch silly stuff and sometimes laugh our head off. (laughs) But it was just about the quality time. And that's one of my favorite things to do right now because it's with David and it's just, you know, a restful place. And it's just a time of, of having fun and something that I can do where I don't have to experience any pain. Mm, That's so, yeah, I love that. That's so fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, 35 years into our marriage, uh, I'm telling you, uh, I've never loved Tina more. And I don't think we've ever enjoyed each other's company as much as we do now. And, and I'm not just saying stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, we've, we've been through some dark places and uh, at times I'm surprised our marriage even survived, but, uh, but we, we just absolutely love uh, each other. And yeah, I came out stronger for it. Oh, no yeah. doubt about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, once the kids left home, we didn't have anything to fight about. So it was great. You know? <laughs> well, awesome. you know, when you, when you go through the suffering together, there's that fellowship of suffering and there that brings you closer yeah. as well. Yeah. You know. That's so, so true. Just, you know, when you're near death, this things don't, some things, they just don't matter. It mm. just doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of fades to the background. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Well, I love both of those things. Those are great. (laughs) Well, I would love to let people know where they can find out more about your books and also just connect with you guys. So what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Tina's got a website, tinasamples.com. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're both on uh, Facebook and you have a Twitter account, huh? I do, but I never tweet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably I am the worst find at us social on Facebook. media. Find us on Sounds Facebook. Sounds good. Facebook or the be, website. Yeah. That'll be the best yeah. way. Yeah. Or Tina's website. Yeah. Perfect. And Baptist Church, you know, you can find David's sermons there. The other thing is um, our book, Wounded Women of the Bible. I mean, Amazon carries it. Also messed up, man. You can find it at your local bookstore. If you search, you know, go in and ask them about it. Sometimes it might be on the shelf. Who knows? Um, But yeah, at most bookstores, you'll be able to find it. Perfect. That sounds great. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been such a gift to get to connect with y'all and get to know you and just love hearing more about your journey and, you know, what God's doing through your ministry as well. So appreciate you guys. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. Rachel. Have a great day. so grateful I had the chance to hang out with Dave and Tina. They just brought so much joy and life and wisdom. And I loved the thought that whatever you're doing, live well. You can find all the links, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. Next week, I'm joined by my friend, Rebecca Pillow. Rebecca is a wife, mother, and passionate dance artist. We talk about her dance journey as well as her current season of healing, really processing through some trauma and losses that have happened over the past multiple years. I look forward to sharing our conversation with you and hope that you'll be encouraged in the process. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Share the show with a friend, check out our Patreon community, and I'll see you next week for my conversation with Rebecca Pillow. Rebecca Pillow.